God's good, amen? <laughs> you know, with everything we're going through, you may say, well, Mark, I don't know if God's good. Listen, God is God in the midst of the trials and the tribulations if he's also God of the mountaintop, amen? If he's the God of the mountaintop, then he also is the God of the valley when we have to go through the valley, amen? So regardless, God is good. He's good to you. I don't know what you're going through today, but I've got good news for you today. God knows exactly what everybody in this room is going through today. And I want to pray this morning that God would move me out of the way because I don't want to say what I want to say. I want to say what God wants to say because God knows exactly what every person in this room needs to hear this morning. And uh, I want to give you that. You don't need Mark Trammell's opinion, as wonderful as it may be. Uh, you, you don't need that today. You don't need my opinion, amen. Now, if you want it, as I've said, you can come ask for it. I'd be glad to give it to you. But my job is not to give you my opinion. I used to think that's what preachers did. I used to look at preachers and think, that'd be kind of fun. Have a group of people not be able to talk back and give your opinion to them for 30, 40 minutes, amen. That'd just be, that's heaven, amen. Uh, no, that's not what I'm called to do, amen. I'm called to rightly divide the word of God. And uh, that's why I try to stay away from my opinions, and stick as close to the Word of God as I can. Because the Bible says that God's Word is the same. It says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He says that His Word will remain. It will not return void. And uh, his, his Word is what I need to stick close to. So I'm going to try to give you God's opinion, not Mark Trammell's opinion. Amen. Last week I talked about sharing our faith because, you know, what happened was, when I took over as pastor a little over a year ago, uh, we were in the middle of building this building. Uh, we were in the middle of uh, just uh, trying to kind of rejuvenate uh, Landmark, and Brother Mike had been sick, and just different things going on. And so, really, we kind of spent the first uh, the first several months trying to just uh, maintain and build things back up, and then trying to get this building built. We finally get the building built. Uh, and then uh, COVID-19 shows up. We get to enjoy it for a couple months. Then COVID-19 shows up. We have to shut down, start doing uh, services online. Uh, then things start to open back up. We're able to come back in. But really what I'm telling you is the whole time I've been here that God has kind of put me here, we've, we've really just been able to just try and kind of maintain and, and, uh, and kind of rebuild back up what we had and then get this building finished and all of our concentrations kind of gone into that and I'm here to tell you today what I want us to do for the fall is we get ready to launch into the fall and I believe uh, that God is going to open up doors for us and opportunities for us is we want to try to reach people now we can be about the business the building is finished uh, everything's done and hopefully COVID-19 is fixing to be on its way out and what I want to say is that we need to be about building the house of God. Amen. And so last week I talked to you about sharing your faith. Now you may look at me and you may say, well, Brother Mark, that's your job. Isn't that what you get paid for? Listen, the preacher's uh, job is to rightly divide the word of truth, like I said, and it is to equip the saints. That's from the Bible. That the preacher's job is to equip the saints to go out and share the gospel. So one person can only do so much. Now I'm going to try to share the gospel with as many people as I can, but I'm one guy. And so I'm limited the number of people I see every day. But if you could get a whole host of people and a whole body of believers to begin to share, how much more powerful is that when a whole body of believers begins to share the hope of Christ? 
And so last week I talked to you about we need to share because we have the hope of Christ. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. We have the hope of heaven. Uh, we don't need to fear death. Uh, in as much as many people are very fearful of death right now, the Bible says that if we know him, we don't have to fear death because we know that there is a life beyond this life. And our eternal reward is in heaven. And if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're going to get to go and have eternal life with Jesus. And there is a life beyond this life. Now, many people, why they fear death is, is because they believe that once this life is over, that's it. And I want to, I'm here to tell you today, if that's your belief, you need to change that belief today. You know why I don't have to fear death? It's because I believe that this life here is temporary. How many years do you get here on earth? If you're lucky, you know, some people, Brother Ken's fixing to celebrate his 90th birthday. Isn't that right, Brother Ken? Uh, if you're lucky, you might get 90 years. Amen. But I'm here to tell you, if we're all just real with each other, most of us probably ain't going to make it to 90. Amen. You, you know, we, you might get 75, 80, 85. You might get 90 years. You might make it to 100. But the fact of the matter is, we're all going to die at some point. 100%. Everybody in here. And so death is a reality of life. But here's what God says. You don't have to fear death because I'm telling you that this life that you're living right now, it's temporary. See, everything you and I know has a beginning and an ending. The reason you and I have a hard time wrapping our minds around God is because God says, I have no beginning and ending. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and I was before everything existed. I created everything. And that's hard for you and I to wrap our mind around because everything in your life and my life has a beginning and an ending. And guess what? Death is simply an ending to what is temporary. But here's what God promises. God promises that if you will accept the free gift of salvation, there is another life that is eternal, that has no ending. And you get to spend that eternity in heaven, and you get to spend it with other believers, and you get to spend it, most importantly, with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, seated on the throne. Amen. Can I get an amen? That ought to excite everybody in the room. So you don't need to fear death if you realize this life is just temporary. Death, you don't have to fear it because death is simply a door from what's temporary right now to what is for all of eternity. So you see, your life in heaven is going to make this life, no matter how many years you get, it's going to make Ken's, Brother Ken's 90 years seem like a drop in the bucket. It's going to be nothing compared to his eternity in heaven. Amen? That's why Brother Ken doesn't fear death. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. Now, you may be 15, 16 years old and fear death. Listen, that's going to lock you up. If you're 15, 16, or even in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, and you go around having an extreme fear of death all the time, you're locked up. God did not intend for you to live that way. God says you don't have to fear death because you give your life to me, and I promise you, you've got it for all of eternity. When this life passes, you've got a whole other life, and it lasts for all of eternity. So that's not my sermon. That was just a, pre, that was a warm-up. Amen. What I'm going to tell you today is you need to share your faith because we are all called. Now, when I say you are called, everybody in here probably gets a vision of, oh, well, that's the preacher's job. Let me tell you today. I'm going to start over here. I'm going to go all the way around the room. You are called, 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 you are called. Everybody in this room, I'm looking at you, everybody in this room is called. Amen. We are all called. 
Now, most people think, well, that's, that's preacher talk. That's how you talk about the preacher or the music guy or the youth guy or any of those things. And I'm here to tell you today, the Bible, according to the Bible, we are all called, and the Bible uses this terminology, the body of Christ. And they even use the terminology of uh, your, your physical body, all right? Some of you are the thumb, amen? How many of you are the thumb, amen? Some of you are the nose, or the eyes. Now, the fact of the matter is, everybody, if we get a little bit full of ourselves, we all want to be the main features. Wouldn't we all like to be the eyeballs where we see everything going on? Amen. What about the nose? The nose, I mean, it's right out there. It's prominent. It's on the front of the face. Smells everything going on. Amen. But guess what? Somebody has to be the big toe. Anybody in here feel like you're a big toe? Now, you don't want to see my big toe. Amen. I got some ugly feet, amen? But guess what? And I've said this before. If you lose your big toe, do you know that can affect your entire balance of your entire body? If you get your big toe cut off even on just one foot, it will affect your entire balance of your body. So you may not like being a big toe, but guess what? You start missing the big toe, you're going to realize it, amen? And it will throw your entire body off out of whack, all right? Uh, listen, everybody wants to be what I call... The, the spotlight jobs, the preacher, the singer, the, the teacher, and everybody wants to be out there in the spotlight. But I, and I used this, uh, this analogy before, and I used it in Sunday school. When you go and you see a play, you go down here to TJC or you go to Tyler Civic Theater, one of those, and you see a play, there might be four, five, ten people on the stage, but guess what? If you've ever been a part of a play, you know this. For every four to five people on the stage, there's another 10 to 20 people behind the scenes that have to run the sound, the lights, uh, get the props on and off stage, uh, make sure everybody's in their right spot. There's a director that had to put the whole thing together. So there are uh, at least twice to three times as many people behind the scenes to make that play happen. But everybody wants to be the main actor. But guess what? It don't happen without those people doing their behind-the-scenes work. So that's what I'm telling you today. Everybody here is called. Not everybody's called to be the preacher. I've heard some of you talk. I can guarantee you, you were not called to be the preacher. Amen? And you may look back at me and say, Brother Mark, we've heard you talk too, and we think the same thing. Amen? That's all right. Amen? Uh, I, I, I feel called to do this. Amen? I believe God called me uh, to do this. But not everybody is called to do this. What if everybody in the room was a preacher? Can I just tell you as a preacher, that'd be pitiful. Because preachers, as a general rule, like to hear themselves talk and like everybody else shut up and listen. What if we were all trying to talk at the same time and uh, nobody shut up and listened? Amen. God didn't call all of us to preach the word of God. Amen. And God didn't call everybody to do the music. God didn't call everybody to be a teacher. And so uh, those are, those are kind of selected things. But guess what? God called everybody in here to be able to share their story. If you'll remember my sermon from last week, we all have a story to tell. And you don't need to be a great Bible scholar. You don't need to have gone to seminary. All you need to know is, I've met Jesus, and this is how Jesus changed my life. And that's all you need to know. If your life's been changed by Jesus, you got a story. Amen? And guess what? I'm here to tell you. Now, your story won't match everybody's story, but there are certain people that your story will resonate with and will be exactly like their story. And they need to hear from somebody and, you know, you might say, well, you know, my story is I didn't grow up in church, and I, I just stumbled into church. You know, Brother Randy Dykes was here, and I use him as an example. He stumbles into church at 32 years old. After a whole 32 years of just partying, drinking, 
not paying attention to God. Somebody invites him to church. Somebody opens up their mouth and is brave enough to invite him to Landmark Baptist Church back in the early 90s. Brother Randy shows up at 32 years old, and his life gets changed. Amen? And that's how it takes. So guess what? Brother, Brother Randy's story will reach somebody else in a similar situation. Now, I got saved when I was a teenager, so my story is going to be maybe more geared to somebody who is a teenager or maybe those things. But regardless, your story is very close to somebody else's story, and somebody needs to hear your exact story. People don't need another Sunday school lesson. We get plenty of those, and they'll get that if they come. They don't even need another sermon. I will, I'll be glad to preach you a sermon, but not everybody really. You know what people need? People need the hope of Jesus and the hope of a life changed by Jesus. And you telling your story will get that point across. Amen? So, listen, preaching is great. Great teaching is great. But guess what? That's not, here's what people are looking for. My life's a mess, and I need some hope. And I need somebody to tell me that there's some hope in Jesus. Amen. So that's exactly what we need to do. Um, let me tell you this. You, you need to know that you were created to do something significant. You were created to make a difference. Uh, but guess what? I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm living my life. I'm living Mark Trammell's life. Can I tell you, Mark Trammell's life is a handful. It's all I can handle. It's all I can handle to keep Mark Trammell straight. So I can't live your life. So I'm not sure what God's called you to do. I'm not quite sure what your purpose is. That's your job to figure that out for you. I'm still, I'm still working on mine. You need to work on yours. Now, the problem in church a lot of times is we won't be about everybody else's business except our own business. Listen, I got no time to judge you. I got no time to condemn you. I'm too busy trying to keep Mark Trammell straight. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> With confidence, Amen. I'm a mess, and it's all I can do to keep me straight. But guess what? I don't have time to judge you or condemn you because I'm too busy trying to keep myself straight, all right? And your job is not to judge or condemn anybody else sitting beside you. Your job is not to listen to me right now and go, I sure hope my wife is hearing this. <laughs> or I sure hope my husband is hearing this, amen? That's not your job. Most people, when they hear preaching and preaching starts, whatever the subject it's immediately where their mind goes. I sure hope the guy behind me is listening to this. I sure hope my I sure hope my kids are listening to this. Amen. And that is not what needs to be on. Here's what needs to be on your mind every Sunday. Lord, I sure hope I get this. I need to hear this. And Lord, speak to me about this subject. All right. That's all you need to be concerned about. All right. All right. Let's look at our first scripture here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to see where do you start. I therefore, and this is uh, Paul talking uh, in, to the Ephesians, church at Ephesus. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, who is Paul writing this to? Preachers? Nope. He's writing it to the church at Ephesus. So you might as well could say he was writing this to the church at Landmark at Chapel Hill, Texas. Amen? So he is writing to the church, an entire body of believers, not a bunch of preachers, and he's saying, you need to live a life worthy of the calling with which you were called. So I'm looking at everybody in this room today. You need to live a life worthy of the calling with which you were called. Everybody in this room is called, all right? So, number one, you are called by God. 
Know that you were created for a reason, not an accident. You have an eternal purpose. You have a divine destiny. And no matter how much you earn, no matter what size house you live in, no matter what kind of car you drive, no matter how many Twitter followers you have or Instagram followers or Facebook followers you have, none of that matters. Your life was created for a purpose, all right? When you get to heaven, the first question Jesus is going to ask you is not, what kind of car did you drive? What was your salary? Who'd you work for? How, how many square feet was the house you lived in? Were you somebody important? None of that. Jesus isn't going to ask any of that. Now, I use that last one. We're going we're gonna to kind of key in on that last one. Most people want to think, well, if I'm called, I'm called to something, and it needs to be something big. It needs to be something in the spotlight because I'm important. And if I'm called, then I need to be called to something important. Can I tell you this today? Your job is not to be important. My job is not to be important. If as a preacher I think my job is to be important, then guess what? Ego and pride is going to rise up in me, and it will be the death of me. Amen? It will be the death of me. Hello. Amen. I just thought that was appropriate. Amen? All right. So get it in your mind. Answer the call. All right? So, um, we all long for significance and purpose. Now, can I tell you this? Your job may be to go to your job every single day for 30 or 40 years and be a godly, bold witness at your job. You may never be called to preach. You may never be called to sing a solo. You may never be called to teach a class. But guess what? God's purpose for you may be to go to a job and be the light of Jesus and the light of the gospel at that job for 30 or 40 years. And when you get to heaven, here's what I believe is going to happen. I believe the Lord is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, everybody wants to be Billy Graham. There was only one Billy Graham. Everybody wants to be the, you know, the big preachers, the TV preachers. Everybody wants to be, you know, in the big one in the spotlight. Can I tell you that when we get to heaven, I don't believe the ones with the biggest mansions are necessarily going to be the Billy Grahams. I'm not trying to take away anything that any TV preacher has done or anything or that Billy Graham has done. But I am going to say, you know who I believe might have the biggest mansion? It might be the preacher who served in the little country church for 30, 40, 50 years of his life and gave his entire life for that little group of people to equip the saints right there. And he was faithful, and he never gave up, and he never quit, and he was faithful to the end. That's what's important to God. What's important to you and me as humans is not important to God. We let that ego, we let that pride, and we think, I got to be somebody. Listen, and it's easy to get caught up in it. As a preacher, can I confess to you, preachers are no different than you. We want to climb the corporate ladder. We want to climb the ladder and go from little church to medium-sized church to big church to mega church. And that's what gets on preachers' minds. That's what gets on staff members' minds. No different than any other job. We, because we think that God is going to be impressed with our importance. Can I tell you that is not the case at all. God is not impressed with your importance. And I used to be that way in my 20s and 30s. I was trying to, everything was about the numbers and getting more people and all that. And you know what I've come to realize as I've gotten older? One good thing about getting older is you get a little bit wiser. And I realize God's not impressed by all that. God's not impressed by it. God tells me, Mark, I have one thing for you to do. 
regardless of any numbers, that's to be faithful to what I called you to do. You be faithful to what I called you to do, and you will hear me say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It is not about the numbers. It's not about being important, all right? Because here's the thing I'm going to tell you. It is about being faithful to God. If you think you're important, you're on the wrong deal. Now, see, do you remember that there was a point where some of the the disciples of Jesus got caught up? Remember that the disciples of Jesus got caught up in saying, well, who's going to sit next to Jesus in heaven? Who's going to sit on his right? Who's going to sit on his left? And Jesus had to set them straight. It has nothing to do. Guys, it has to do. And if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the least. If you want to be a leader, you have to learn to serve. All right? And so God is not impressed with our importance. All right? What is God calling me to? All right? You need to pray about it. What's the first thing you do? What is God calling me to do? If you want to find it, start by praying. All right? All right. Reclaim the sacred language calling. So, all right, I'm going to give you a little bit of deepness here. All right? I'm going to give you a little Greek. What they give you, you never attended seminary. Here's a little bit of what you get. Greek word is uh, kaleo, K-A-L-E-O. All right? It's the root of 16 other words to call. All right? Here's some of the other words that it's the root of, all right? Uh, kaleo, then klesis, which is the act of calling. Kletos, which is to be called. Paraclete, which is the comforter. Uh, and uh, many times that's what the Holy Spirit was called. Parakletos means advocate, intercessor. And then the very last one that it comes from, the root of it, uh, ecclesia, which is an assembly of believers, the church, and literally translated ecclesia means called out ones. So if you and I are part of the church, we are the called out ones. Now what does that mean? Most of us go to church and we think of coming in. That is not what the church's job is. This is where the, the modern day church has gotten messed up. We've made it all about coming in and it becomes like a country club where we're trying to make everybody feel a part of the club. And it's about coming in. God says it is not about the coming in. It is about the going out. You are called to go out from these doors. You are called to be a light in the gospel all around this city. You are called to go and minister to people and to reach people. There are churches, and I think I would like to get a, there are churches that have a sign over the door as you go out. And it says you are now entering your mission field. Because they're trying to remind people that's what we're called to do. You really hadn't done anything by coming in here. This is a good start. And this is a part of worship to come together. But our real job starts when we walk out of these doors and how we live starting tomorrow all the way through next Sunday. Amen. That is the true test. All right. So, Ecclesia, you are called out ones. All right. So, what am I called to do? Uh, go to the next slide. I want to uh, give you this. All right. Uh, this is real important. I want you to catch this. Calling is not about your job. Calling is about who you are before it's about what you do. Most of us hear calling and we say, all right, that's about your job. You're either the preacher, the singer, the teacher, and it's not about any of those things. Your calling is about who you are as a person, your character, your integrity, who you are as a man or a woman of God, all right? There's a scripture with each one of these. First one is 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us 
in Christ Jesus before time began. Now, that's a heavy scripture because it basically says God already had your life mapped out before time even began. Did you know before you were even a thought to your mom or daddy, God knew what your birthday was going to be? Did you know, this might freak you out a little bit, that God knows your homegoing day, the day you're going to go meet Jesus? God knows exactly what day it is. He knew it before your mommy and daddy even thought about you. God already knew what your day getting here was and what your day leaving is. Now, that may freak you out a little bit, but God already knows it. Now, he doesn't tell us because guess what? If God told us what day it was, we'd obsess over it. Amen? And that's why you've got to live every day as if it were your last because you don't know, and I don't know. All right? In the same way that he's not revealing when he's coming back, that it is not no man knows the day or the hour, guess what? In accordance to that also, you don't know the day or the hour that you individually might go home. All right? So uh, that just means every single day i got to live like it's my last one. All right? Okay. So um, maybe God called you to be a missionary. God didn't call everybody to be a missionary. The main reason I find sometimes people don't want to totally give their lives to God, well, God may call me to be a missionary to Africa. Why is it always Africa? You ever wonder that? It's always that one. It's always that one. There's a lot of other continents besides Africa. And I've been to Africa, and it's pretty nice. Amen. Uh, so I've been to Africa. It would not be uh, terrible to live over there. But for some reason, people immediately go to, well, God might call me, ask me to be a missionary to Africa. And I envision myself out in the Sahara Desert somewhere with a bunch of tribal people, you know, and I can't even speak the language. Listen, maybe God would, but... Nine chances out of ten, that's not what he's going to call you to, all right? Um, he may call you to be a teacher. Can I say that teachers, you need to be honored. You don't get paid near enough, and teachers, you have a profound influence on kids' lives and how they grow up. Uh, amen? Te any teachers in the building? Raise your hand. Any teachers? Amen. All right. All right. So teachers, we honor you, and that is huge. That, that is a calling, to be a teacher uh, to work and put up with what you put up with for a little amount of money that you make, it is definitely a calling. So, uh, maybe God might call you to be an electrician. Now, Brother Mark, God don't call nobody to be an electrician. I beg your pardon. Yes, he does. Amen. Uh, you may be an electrician. Listen, you better know God personally if you're going to put your hands on them electrical wires all the time. Amen. Have you ever been shocked pretty good? I, I don't want to do it. Amen. And you better be right with God because you grab the wrong wire it could send you on home pretty quick, amen? So, But God calls people to be electricians. Uh, maybe God calls you to be a plumber. Mess around in toilets all day. Sure, no, now, Brother Mark, God don't call nobody to be a plumber and mess around with toilets. Oh, yes, uh, once again, we come to church. As long as them toilets are working fine, everybody's happy, amen? In the same way I use Brother Nelson, he makes that coffee. You don't think having the coffee is important? Let a bunch of Baptists show up and there ain't no coffee at the church. Amen? Everybody gets in a foul mood. You let the toilet start to run, overflow, and back up, everybody's going to get in a bad mood, and people are not going to stick around. It all works together. It's all important. God gave you certain gifts and talents. And Listen, I had an uncle, Uncle Al. Uncle Al was a plumber. And I want to tell you, we thanked God many times in our house for Uncle Al. Uncle Al lived two, two and a half hours away in Fort Worth, but if we had a plumbing problem, we'd call Uncle Al. Uncle Al, we need you. These plumbers around here, they're going to charge us a lot. You're, you're blood. You, you can't charge us a lot. Amen. So Uncle Al, we, we might have to wait a few. Might have to wait till the weekend, but Uncle Al would come down, and he would fix our problem. And he did it 
Here's what scripture says. He did it. Uncle Al unclogged your toilet or whatever it was as if he was doing it unto the Lord. That's how you're called to it. All right. And he did it and he did it with great joy. You would not meet a nicer, kinder man than Uncle Al. Uncle Al grew up in an abusive home and he could have been a nasty, mean old drunk. And he was for a little while. But Jesus got a hold of his heart, and he was the kindest, most gentle man you'd ever want to give you the shirt off his back. And he did his job as if he was doing it unto the Lord. That is the difference. Amen. Think about him. Because how can somebody touch your life like that? Amen. That's the way it happens. Uh, Whatever your job may be, God has called it to you. So your calling is as much about who you are becoming as it is what you are doing. Does it matter that Uncle Al was a plumber and he stuck his hands in toilets all day long? We might see that as gross. But guess what? He did it as under the Lord. It was more about the person that he was becoming, more about than what he was doing. All right. So I'm telling you, whatever your job is, it doesn't matter. Just fill in the blank of whatever your job is. If you do it as under the Lord and you do it to honor the Lord, then it becomes your mission field. All right? All right. So... Uh, you are holy, set apart. You should be different from this world. If you're a plumber, be a godly plumber and be different than the worldly plumbers. If you're an electrician, be a godly electrician and be different from all the other electricians. Whatever it is God has called you to do, be a light when you do it. All right. The Bible never talks about your calling for a career. It calls you to become like Christ. Now, again, what's, a lot of what's wrong with the modern church is we see our calling as we're looking for another career. Did you know that most people that uh, surrender to preach never do it as a full-time career? Most churches today are churches of 100 or less. That means most, most preachers in most churches are either bivocational or they do it volunteer. They've, some of them don't even get paid. And so... You can't look at your calling as a career. If a guy tells you, well, I feel like God's called me to preach because I think that'd be an easy way to make a living, you better run the other direction as fast as you can. Amen? Because that is not a calling. A calling is not necessarily a career. All right? Uh, I did this part-time and bivocationally and still do it bivocationally, but many years before I became full-time. And I didn't look at it as a career. I looked at it as a calling. And then all of a sudden, as I was faithful in it, God opened up an opportunity to do it full time. But that was many years down the road. Amen. I did it many years uh, as more of a a part-timer or, you know, just a volunteer. So, all right. So is my calling to preach? Again, I'm only telling you about my life because it's the only one I know. Yes. Uh, Am I called to live a holy life? Yes. Am I called to be a pastor? Yes. Am I called to live faithfully for Jesus? Now, my name is Mark Trammell. How y'all doing? Mark Trammell's a pastor. But guess what? You know what's way more important than being a pastor? Again, God is not impressed. I'm not going to get to God and say, well, you know, God, I was the pastor at Landmark Baptist Church. And God, oh, you were. Well, I am duly impressed. Come on in. Amen. That's not what God's going to say. In fact, I would dare say, here's more likely what God's going to say. Well, Mark, I understand you were the pastor of Landmark Baptist Church, but I got some more important questions. Uh, What kind of husband were you to Julie? What kind of daddy were you to Matthew, Joshua, and Faith? 
Uh, Mark, I got an even more important question. What kind of a godly man were you? See, I'm all of those things way before I'm Mark Trammell, pastor. God is not impressed. God is not impressed with your calling. And sometimes people want to put preachers up on a pedestal. Don't you dare do it. Preachers are flesh and blood, and they make mistakes, and they mess up just like you do. That's why I would be the first to tell you, don't ever get your eyes on me. Don't ever just take my word for something. The, the word says to study to show thyself approved. You look at everything I tell you, and you back it up with Scripture. If it ain't backed up with Scripture, don't buy into it. Amen? Because, again, God's not impressed with my calling. God is impressed by who I am way before my career or what I'm called, all right? All right, so calling isn't about something. Um, go to the next one there. Calling isn't about something important you do in the future. It's about your faithfulness to Jesus today. So here's a big one in my mind, all right? Do you know why a lot of people never do anything for God? Listen, all eyes right here. This may be the most important point for the entire day. Look at me. God's calling for you is not about five years down the road. Here's where most people get stuck, and they never do anything for God. I believe God's called me, and I'm waiting. I believe in about five, ten years, it's going to kick in. God's going to drop it in my lap. Man, I'm going to be a house on fire for God. Can I tell you that? If that's your attitude, it ain't never going to happen. It's not about what God's calling you to do five years from now. Most people get caught up. We never live in the present. We're always thinking about the future. Woo, man, God's going to do great things with me in five years. If God ain't doing great things with you right now, he ain't going to do nothing with you in five years. Get off your lazy fanny and do something for God now. God ain't never going to call you to be a preacher or pastor if you can't get out and share your faith as something else. So if you're too lazy to do it now, uh-oh, this is hard, you're going to be too lazy to do it in five years from now. If you're too lazy to do something for God now and do the hard stuff now, then God is not going to see you worthy to honor you with something else five years from now, ten years from now. So here's what I find, and this aggravates me because I see many people do this. Brother Mark, I believe God's called me to something. I believe it's grand and glorious, and I believe in about five years, it's, you ain't even going to believe what it is. And I just shake my head and say, oh, yeah, all right, call me in five years. All right. If you ain't doing nothing now, can I say this, and I believe this is true across the board, if you ain't doing nothing for God right now, you ain't going to be doing nothing for God in five or ten years. Be faithful in the little things so that he will honor you with the bigger things. If you haven't proven yourself faithful in the little things right now, then why do you expect God's going to do something big with you in five or ten years? Now, that's a hard message, but that's a truth message. Because I get a pet peeve of people doing a lot of talking and no action. At some point, you've got to stop talking, and you've got to do something, and you've got to be faithful in the little things. So what are the little things? Can you be a better Christian? Women, can you, better, can you be a better Christian woman? Can you be a better daughter? Can you be a better wife? Can you be a better mother? That's your job right now. That's your calling right now. See, a lot of people look and say, well, I'm a full-time mother, and I'm raising these kids. Bless God, that's a calling. No more important calling than to raise godly young men and women. You may say, well, that's not a career, and my kids will be grown one day, and maybe I'll go back into the workforce. Maybe, maybe not, but I'm here to tell you what's happening right now. 
Right now, your job is to raise godly young men and women. Raise those children to be godly young men and godly young women. That is your calling. That is your job for right now. Don't be dreaming about, boy, what I'm going to do when these kids are out of the house in 10, 20 years. Live in the present. Shut your mouth and quit living in the future and dreaming in the future. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. But if you can't live in the present because you're always dreaming, then you're wasting your time. Now, this is a hard message, but it is a truth message. Do something now. Your calling is not about five or ten years from now. Your calling is about your faithfulness today. All right? Exactly what is it causing is about something important you do in the future. It's about your faithfulness to Jesus today. That might be the most important thing I say today. All right? So write that down. All right? Uh, scripture with that is Colossians three seventeen, And it says this, And whatever you do in word or deed... Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right? Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. All right? We're going to end with a little story. And I'm going to call the title of this story, Donkey Duty. All right? Donkey Duty. Now, I know if you're immature like I am, you hear Donkey Duty and you snicker and giggle. All right? Uh, not Put it up there. It's not duty. It's duty. D-U-T-Y. All right? Uh, donkey duty, all right? And, of course, it won't go up there when I really want it to go up there so that I'm not. <laughs> all right. So the scripture is Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now, what's ironic is, is this happens, this story happens right after James and John had had this discussion about who was more important to Jesus. When we get to heaven, oh, I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of Jesus and he's, no, no, I, not, you're not, I'm more important to Jesus. I'm closer to Jesus than you are, so it's going to be me. I'm more important. So right after this happens, uh, then this story happens, all right? They've had this argument about who's greater. And it says, now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Now, it doesn't say which two, but this story, again, happens right after this discussion between James and John. So I'm almost betting money that he's trying to teach James and John a lesson, so I think he, he picks, let's just imagine that he picks James and John who were, who were arguing about who was greater to Jesus, all right? And he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you've entered it, you will find a colt tied on, which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. So Jesus tells these two self-important guys who think they're really important to Jesus, he says, I got a job for you guys. I need somebody to go get my donkey. So I'm going to send you two guys on donkey duty. Y'all wanted to know who was so great and who was so close to me and who was going to be sitting near the throne in heaven. I'm going to show you how you get importance in heaven. You two guys are going to get to go donkey duty. I need a donkey to ride into Jerusalem on, and you got to go get my donkey. And I can see James and John going, Now, Jesus, you can send anybody to go get this donkey. Why are you sending us, all right? We're too important for that. We're too important to the church to be on donkey duty. Amen? You ever seen some of that? I've seen a lot of that in my days. Well, well, I can't do that. Ask somebody else to do that, Brother Mark. I'm too important to go clean the toilets. Well, Brother Mark, I can't take the garbage out. I'm too important to the church for that. Brother Mark, don't you realize I, I teach Sunday school? I can't go taking the trash out or cleaning the toilets. Guess what? Get rid of your self-important, grandizing deal, all right? And Jesus is trying to make a point here, I believe, all right? And then verse 3, it says, 
Uh, and if anyone says to you, why are you doing that? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. All right? So, he sends them. So, look at this next line here. The sign of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. You may think you're not important to what God wants to do. Even though I know my purpose, it's not really important in the big scheme of things. Listen, the size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. I used to think if I wasn't, if I wasn't leading worship or pastor a church that was at least 500 or 1,000 people, then I really wasn't making a difference. And God had to slap me upside of the head and teach me some things to say, Mark, it ain't about you at all. It is not about a number. It's about you doing exactly what I told you to do. And before this happened, we had started a church, and I was ministering to 25, 30 people. And guess what? I had become okay with the fact and said, God, if all you ever want me to do for the next 20, 30 years is minister to this 25 or 30 people, then, God, I am okay with that, and I am good with that. Because I realized, God, it's not about me. It's not about how important I can look. It's just about me being faithful to what you called me to do. And if that's to minister to 25 people, then God bless you. I need to do that with all my power and all, all I can put into it. Amen? It is not about you. Let me give you these examples, and I'll be finished. David took one small stone to kill a giant. Nobody else would do it. David was small. He was a teenager. But he only needed one small stone to kill the giant and lop his head off. All right? And then... David was faithful in that, and then what happened to David? Then David became somebody important. God opened up a door for him because he was faithful in the little things when it came down to it. All right? Um, the little boy with the five loaves and fishes. Remember that story? One little boy had five loaves and five fishes, and Jesus said, What do you got there, son? And he said, Five loaves, five fishes. That won't even hardly feed me and you, Jesus. And Jesus said, You give me that. Give me your lunch. Now, I'm here to tell you, I like my lunch. And if Jesus shows up and asks for my lunch, I'm going to give it to him. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to be real happy about it at first, all right? When Jesus calls up and says, Mark, I need you to give me your lunch. I need to use that. Uh, but this little boy said, all right, Jesus, I trust you. Gave him his lunch, and what happened? They fed over 5,000 that day because that little boy was faithful to give his five loaves and fishes. Two disciples that thought they were really important, Jesus sent them to get a donkey. Now, they didn't think there was a whole lot of importance in getting that donkey, but guess what? That donkey carries Jesus straight to the cross and straight to his calling. That donkey became pretty important because that donkey carries Jesus into his purpose and his calling of being the Savior to save the sins of all mankind. All right? Guess what? It doesn't cost you much to be a good friend to someone who's hurting. It doesn't cost you much to love your spouse when they're being difficult to love. Hello. Somebody answer that phone call. It doesn't cost you much to be a better husband or a better wife when your spouse is not acting right. You may say, well, Brother Mark, that's all the time. Amen. And maybe it is. But I'm here to tell you, it's easy to love somebody when love's coming back. But guess what? We're all difficult to live with sometimes. Sometimes you're the one showing the love and mercy. Sometimes you're the one that needs the love and mercy coming back at you. Because we're all on the wrong side of that at times, all right? Guess what? It doesn't cost you much to do something good without receiving the credit. It doesn't cost you much 
to give thanks in the middle of a trial instead of griping and complaining. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what? It does not take much for you to build your business to honor God. Some of you may own your own business. I own my own business. And one of my, one of my uh, uh, main things in owning my own business is that, Lord, I want this business to honor you. I'm not building this honor, this business just to bring me money. God, I'm building this business so that when people use me, I'm glorifying God in the middle of it. All right? So whatever, if you're building your own business, that's awesome. And you have the power to create a business that will minister to people. That, again, you, you're doing it under the Lord. All right? And then... Um, it, will, it doesn't cost you much to raise your babies to honor God. And I want to say this. I want to honor all these moms in the room. And some people may think, Brother Mark, this COVID thing has really messed us up. Us not having children's church or not having the nursery, I know that's a pain. But guess what? It doesn't bother me at all. To me, a preacher's not worth his salt if he can't learn to preach around babies. Crying and screaming, amen. Bring them. If that's what you got to do to bring yourself, then bring them. As you'll notice, I can preach louder. I can preach, uh, I can preach more. I can get around it, all right? It ain't no big deal until we get past all this. But I'm here to tell you, I honor you mothers because you have the greatest job of all. My wife, she quit work when we had Matthew, our first one, and we just had already made our minds up that, she was going to raise our kids. We didn't want somebody. And we were going to have to tighten our belt financially to do that. But guess what? We saw it as her calling. And we saw that as for 20 years or so, that was going to be her calling to raise those kids to be godly young men and godly young women. And it was a sacrifice, but I believe it was a sacrifice worth it. Amen. And so, mothers, we honor you. That That's a hard job, especially single mothers. It's very difficult. Uh, but I want to honor you today. That's the most important job and the most important calling you will ever have in your life. And don't blink because it'll be over, and there are no do-overs. You get one shot. So take it very seriously, all right? All right. Put the very last one up there. And this is the way I want to end this. You're not called to be important. You're called to be faithful. Now I'm going to stand on my new knee here for this, all right? You're not called to be important. You are called to be faithful. God's not impressed with you. God's not impressed with me. You're not called to be somebody. You're called to be faithful. And I wish I'd gotten that sooner in life. It took me a long time. It took me into my 50s to get that and to understand that. Quit chasing after everything. Quit chasing after the big thing or what you think is the big thing and just be faithful. Let me tell you how you do it. I'm going to tell you a secret to it. Get up in the morning, get on your knees, and say, God, what do you want me to do today? And let me be faithful to do it. Quit thinking about five years from now, ten years from now. Guess what? Five years will get here soon enough. Ten years will get here soon enough. And guess what? It don't do any good to try and think all that way far ahead because normally God changes the plan in the middle of it anyway, and it doesn't turn out like you thought it was going to turn out. So all that stuff you were thinking about. So guess what? The key is this. Just be faithful in what God's called you to do today. Minister to somebody. Pray with somebody. Somebody that you've got in your life that's hurting and that's struggling. Pray with them. Be a friend to them. That's what you can do today. If you would, bow your head close your eyes. Lord, I love you today. I thank you for loving us. And Lord, I know that there's people who are hurting and people who are struggling. And I just pray right now 
that if anybody here today does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they come to know you today as their Lord and Savior. If you were here today and you'd say, Brother Mark, I'm not sure if I were to die right now where I would go, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me because he is as close as a prayer away. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins. Wash my sins in the blood of the Lamb. I thank you, and I believe that you died for me on that cross. And right now, I ask you to save me from myself. In Jesus' name. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time or the second time, maybe you're recommitting yourself to God, would you just raise up a hand? I want to pray for you. Anyone else? All right, awesome. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to just come stand down here. The, the Lord said to he, not to be ashamed of him. If you're doing that today for the first time or recommitting yourself to the Lord, I just invite you to come stand down front here and just let people know you made that decision today. Thank you, brother. Come stand right there. Amen. Awesome, brother. Thank you for being uh, courageous enough to do that. Come on. Yeah, there you go. Come on, brother. Now, what these guys are saying, anybody else? Somebody has to break the ice. Thank you, brother, for doing that. Anybody else today? So what these guys are saying, they're either saying, I've either, I've either prayed that prayer for the first time today and telling Jesus I'm giving my heart, or I'm recommitting myself to that today. And so uh, I'm going to talk to these guys after we get done, find out which that is. But that's these guys are saying, I'm not ashamed to stand before you today and say, I'm making that decision for the Lord. Amen. Give these guys a big hand if you would. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys stay right there because I want to talk to you all when we get done. Uh, I want to encourage you today. Talk to somebody just like I'm going to talk to these guys. Somebody's hurting. Somebody needs Jesus. Somebody needs hope in their life today. There's never been a time in our world where people need hope more than right now. Amen. So I invite you to do that. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for these guys. Thank you, Lord, for their uh, courage to just stand up and say, I'm not ashamed. Lord, you, you're not ashamed of me, and I'm not going to be ashamed of you. And so, Lord, I thank you for their decision today. I pray that, God, it would be something very real in their lives, that they say, Lord, I'm giving my heart and life. I'm going to set a new course right, right now, right today, Lord. We just thank you for that. Thank you for these guys and their bravery. Bless us today, God. Help us to go out and to be faithful to you and everything you called us to today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys.